Good morning. I am truly, honestly grateful that you're here today. We're, we're, we're so thankful that you're here. And the reason I say that is because today there are hundreds, if not thousands, of pastors, church leaders um, really concerned over what's happening in the church in our country. Everyone is talking about the um, steep declines in uh, worship attendance and church attendance. Uh, it's, a, it's a major concern for everyone. So I'm truly happy that you're here today. Uh, it's an unstopped discussion, the decline in church. There's surveys. I opened my browser this morning on my computer. I have a on my main page, I, I get a, a news feed, and once again, there are the articles. There was at least two articles this morning uh, talking about this issue. Uh, one of them was, American Christians opt for different churches in search of authenticity. And then another article said, 18 reasons why people stop being a Christian or stop going to church. So this is a, a big problem in our current culture in our society, in churches. So I looked at some articles. There's all these articles that try to give you reasons why. And this guy has eight reasons. This guy has 25 reasons. There's nine reasons over here, ten reasons over there, and they're all over the map. But there was one article that I read that summarized it down to just two reasons. The second uh, was being that people just didn't feel needed. They didn't feel wanted. They didn't feel like they fit in. They had a place. But the number one reason was one word, and that is relationships. And I want to read you the the quote from this article. People will visit your church and become a member for many reasons, but they'll stay long term because of the relationships. According to a survey conducted by Pew Research Center, Having friends or family in the congregation is a huge deciding factor for many people choosing a church. For people 65 and older, it's uh, 45%, whereas for people 18 to 29, it jumps to 62%. Your outreach efforts will connect people, connect with people in your community. Your preaching, worship, and children's program will be a draw for other people, but first-time guests will be inclined to get connected if they build a relationship and make friends with people in your church. Without these, and I like this last phrase, without these connections, your church will be a slippery slope, not sticky. Not my words, his words. Without these connections, your church will be a slippery slope, not sticky. So that's the topic that I want to for us to look at this morning. In the late 70s, and yes, I'm, I'm very old, in the late 70s, Mary and I were fairly new married, but, but really we'd been married five or six years because we were married in the early 70s. So in the late 70s, Mary and I joined a fairly large Southern Baptist church in Dallas. That's where we grew up. Back in those days, as you, if you grew up in the Baptist church, you know that you had your, your typical Baptist church would have Sunday, Sunday school. They'd have a morning worship service. 
They had Sunday evening training in the church I was in. They called it Training Union. And then we had a Sunday evening worship service. And then you had Tuesday visitation. You had Wednesday night services. There's just all these services. And Mary and I uh, made a habit to attend. We, we wanted to be a part. We had grown up in the church. And this particular church, we were coming on Sunday mornings. We were coming on Sunday evenings. But we really weren't enjoying it that much. And to be honest with you, we didn't really like the preaching that much. Uh, we were in a big Sunday school class. It was pretty large, probably 30 couples or more. Uh, and we started a bit connected to some of those people in that Sunday school class. Um, so none of us in the group, there was 10 of us that started getting close. None of us really liked to go to Sunday evening services. So we made the decision that we were going to stop. No more Sunday evening services. We were going to begin to just meet our own, meet on our own in our homes. And we started to do that. And remember, this is back in the 70s when small group ministry was a thing yet in churches. There were 10 of us. Me and Mary, Clark and Mary Lou, Rick Ann, Gary and Jan, Norm and Jenny. So we started meeting on Sunday evenings together where we ate together, we prayed together, we uh, studied Scripture together. Uh, that's my first experience with whatever name you want to give it, home group, small group, community group, community circles, fellowship groups, whatever you want to call it. That was my first involvement in any type of small group environment. Those, those ten of us, we became extremely close and fast friends. Uh, in a group like that, we were all young marrieds, no kids yet. You're able to develop this kind of intimacy that you just didn't get in a, in a group this size or in a larger church in particular. in particular, So it just allowed us to develop something special. Uh, and for me, uh, one of those guys, Clark, he, he and I became very intimate friends, uh, very close friends. I spoke to Clark this past week. One of the things he asked me, he said, he, he said how's your spiritual life? It's one of those things that it's lifelong, a lifetime connection that has kept me connected to Christ, but also to the church. So this was my early experience with small groups, and it's impacted me ever since. One of the key things that Mary and I look for when we look at a church is, do they have a small group ministry? When we moved to Athens in 2019, we had come from San Diego, we moved to Athens, we started looking for churches. We started visiting all the churches around. We went to a lot of them. But one of the things I always looked for was did they have a small group ministry? And Dogwood did. It wasn't necessary that I necessarily liked everything. None of us are ever going to like everything about a church. But they had a small group ministry. And that was so key to my spiritual life. Unfortunately, we all know that COVID hit us. And when COVID hit us, that really decimated that ministry. You know, we couldn't meet together anymore. We were prohibited and we were all scared to death. So it, it stopped. And that was disappointing. I've missed it ever since. I've hated the fact that 
I don't have, because I'm basically kind of a shy uh, person, it's hard for me. I'm intimidated by all of you, to be honest with you. In groups this big, I like smaller groups. So it was really important for me to uh, get back into that. And for me, small groups are what make a church sticky and keep it from being a slippery slope. We hate to see people coming in and not sticking around for good. In Acts chapter 2, we get a picture of the beginning, the development, and the growth of the church. They did some things that made them sticky. And by sticky, I mean they did things that made them stick together and stay with it through the best and the worst of times. And this morning, I want us to look at that very familiar passage and see what they did that made them sticky and how we can be sticky here. And let me set the stage of Acts chapter 2. You know the story. It's a very familiar one. Jesus was crucified. He was on the earth for 40 days. And during that time, he met with the disciples. He met with bigger groups. He taught. He continued to love on them. So he met with them for 40 days. And a lot of training, a lot of learning went on during that time. On the 40th day, uh, he was meeting with them. And one of his final messages to them was, listen, go back to Jerusalem. Don't leave there. Stay there. Stick there. Ten days. Because something special is going to happen. Jesus uh, ascended, left the earth. They went to Jerusalem. And ten days later, we all know what happened. Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out in a way that none of them had ever experienced before. And something miraculous happened. Peter preached that day and 3,000 people were added to the kingdom that day. And we're told that everybody was in awe. And I know I've chosen sort of a strange theme, becoming a sticky church. So just where do I get that from? Where do I get it out of Acts chapter 2? So let's read the passage. And then I've got five things I want to share with you of why we're sticky or how to be sticky. So Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. That day about 3,000 took him at his word. That is Peter. They were baptized and they were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled the resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. You know, the first word that catches my attention in this passage is that word committed. Uh, in, the, in the message version, it says committed. In the New International Version, it says devoted. In the King James Version, it says continued steadfastly. J.B. Phillips translates it as continue steadily. 
The Living Bible says regular attendance. The New American Standard, continually devoting. And Young's literal translation says we're continuing steadfastly. All the same thing. They were committed. There was a steadfast, a continual, a devotion, and it was continuous. It was ongoing. There was something going on that made them stick. It was more than just, hey, I'm going to give this a try for a while. Let me see if I like this. Maybe I will. Maybe I want. They committed. They devoted themselves to this. For them, it was a, a full-blown, lifelong, continuous, nonstop commitment. So what was it they were committed to? What, what did they commit to stick to? And I want to give you five things from this passage that lead people to stick together and can make us here at Dogwood, a sticky church so that people are with us. Number one, we see in the passage that there was a lot of praying going on. People that are playing going on, I'm sorry, prayers later, that playing was going on. And what I mean by that is people that play together stick together. So they didn't limit their lives just to an hour or two on Sunday mornings. Instead, They lived out every event of their life together. They lived together. They invested in each other, in in all parts of each other's lives. Uh, Here are some ways that that it looked like in my past experience, that those groups that I've been a part of, those small groups, we grew families together. We celebrated births together. We celebrated deaths together. We celebrated marriages, possibly, of our children together. We played softball together. We golfed together. We went camping together. I'm not real clear what the women did, but probably knitting and sewing, but whatever it was, the women did it together. So the point is we played together. This wasn't come on Sunday morning for a couple hours and see you. Our lives were knit together in a special way. We shared in both the joys and the difficulties, whatever life gave us. And we all have those experiences, those, those sorrowful things that we need someone close together that we can share it with, those joyful things that we can celebrate with. I think what I'm trying to say is it's more than just a casual thing. Our lives become totally intertwined. It's more than what just happens within the four walls of this building. It's more than just worship and praying together. It encompasses our whole life. But there's more. People that play together, stick together. So, first question here. Raise your hand if you do not like to eat. Okay, just what I expected. Eating is one of my favorite pastimes. Um... Matter of fact, when I get up in the morning and Mary fixes breakfast, I'm usually by the end of breakfast asking her, what's for dinner? I'm already thinking about dinner because I love to eat. And that convinces me that, point number two, people that eat together stick together. In this initial development and growth of the church, we see them sharing meals together. They were... Two different references here. It's probably one's referring to communion, 
where they shared the communion meal together like we do here once a month. We do it on once a month on Sunday here. Uh, Jesus instructed them to do it, do it in remembrance, and we can only assume that it was a part of their corporate worship. And remember, at this point, the church was just starting. We don't know for sure how and where they did this, but they did the Lord's Supper together. But it was more than that. They talk about the common meal, um, which means, you know, they had burgers together. They, They just ate together. And how... Do you understand how big a deal that is? It, there's something about eating together. When you sit down at a table with someone, everyone just seems to relax. There's a warmth there. There's a, a feeling there. You're sharing something special when you eat. Uh, it's kind of like a continuous potluck. Uh, it's kind of like the family meal. Uh, for us... As a community, we should recognize the meal, the eating, as a joyous celebration of our unity with Christ and each other. So it's not just communion, but it's just the normal eating. Um, I'm certain that they did it together. They relaxed, they talked, they shared. They just There's just a relaxed thing going on when you eat. So people that eat together stick together. Here's another thing that helps assure us that we stick together. People that worship and pray together stick together. Prayer and worship are the things we do to express our complete dependence on the Lord for every aspect of our life. Through prayer, through worship, we celebrate God's presence in our life and our ability to engage with Him in a deeply personal and intimate way. That's what worship and prayer is about. You have to think about these early Christians. They were just coming out of Judaism. They hadn't fully abandoned their their practices associated with Judaism. That had been part of their, their entire lives. They continued to go to the temple. They served as, uh, which served as a center of worship and prayer. And we still have a church building that we come together to collectively to enjoy God's presence, to worship together. That's what we're doing this morning. We're worshiping together. We're praying together. And this is something that we should continue to do. We should continue to corporately worship and meet together, continually devoted to do it. But there is something for me personally that's a little lacks a little intimacy here this morning. I yearn for something smaller, something more intimate. I want to be able to worship, to pray, to sit down with someone that I can be right next to. I, it, it just seems like this can be, while this is great and we should do it, there's no question about that, it just seems like it can be a little cold, a little sterile, a little isolated. Um, but when I contrast that to being in someone's home, the home just feels more intimate. We're more vulnerable there. We're more connected there. Our prayers in that environment become more personal, more intimate. We can really get down to the tough parts of life. It provides us an opportunity to share more deeply with each other. Uh, and as a result, when we share with each other, our needs are expressed to, to the Father personally. 
So praying together, worshiping together, uh, I like it in a small environment. I like this. I love coming here. I love uh, hearing the worship songs. I love the songs we did this morning. I love the prayer time. I love the, the preaching time. I love this. But I really yearn to be sitting in my home or your home with a dozen of you where that I can really be intimate in my worship and in my prayer. It's just a different dimension of worship that we get when we gather in small groups. But there's more that these first converts did as they started this new journey with Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So people that learn together stick together. The New Testament didn't exist yet. Their primary method of learning was what the apostles were going to share with them. The apostles had been with Jesus for three years. They had heard Him teach. They had learned from Him. Uh, they knew what He was about. And after that, they had, there were a body of material came that they would use to teach. It recounted Jesus' earthly ministry, His teachings, not only how He lived, but how He instructed His apostles to follow in His footsteps. The Jewish converts were brought up in the law and the prophets of the Old Testament, but now they needed to understand how Jesus was the fulfillment of that and how now how their new commitment to Jesus would affect all that. The Gentile converts were coming from paganism. They didn't know anything about Christ. They didn't know anything about the God of Christ, our God. They were they're starting from ground zero. The early learning came probably in sermons. We heard that Peter preached. So there was probably sermons, but there was probably small, intimate times of Bible study that was going on in the homes. Uh, That's when the apostles would share more deeply Christ, when they would talk about what it meant in their lives. And, you know, this guy over here heard the message, but Understood it one way. This guy over here, this woman over here heard it another, another, the same message, but heard it a different way. So it gave them an opportunity to dive in more deeply than uh, they were able to right now in a corporate setting like this. It was just more personal, more interactive. We have the opportunity to do that in a way this morning in these corporate settings but it can happen more completely in an intimate setting in a smaller group in someone's home. The more we can get into the small groups, the more deeply we can learn about God, we can learn about what He expects from us, and we learn from each other. Some of my best learning experiences were were not reading from a commentary or hearing a sermon, but it was sitting down with people in my home when they shared with me how God spoke to them out of His Word. Those are the times that are just that really are meaningful to me. And I still yearn for that today. And then the final thing. People that are voluntarily generous together stick together. First, it's important to, to be clear, this is not some endorsement of communism as a political or economic system. 
where everyone gives up their rights to personal property and possession. It's not that. This is all about generosity and mutual support. A special sense of community within this church developed where needs of all became more important than the wants of me. Nobody was forced to do it. They just did it because they loved each other. Because they genuinely wanted to meet the needs of each other because of the bonds that they had developed. A special sense of community developed here. This has been described by one commentator as an expression of their spirit-inspired togetherness. And another commentator uh, called it a radical generosity. This new community of believers began to hold all their material goods loosely. It wasn't the end. They saw them just as tools. They could be used to, for the good to meet those less fortunate, to meet the needs of, of uh, anyone in the, in the group. But it wasn't just limited to the material things. They also gave of their time. How does that work out for us? Well, if you get in a small group, and it even happens in large corporate settings like this, but in a smaller group, you care for each other. Someone needs a ride to a doctor's appointment. Someone needs their lawn mowed. Some young couple needs a babysitter. It's things that you just, you, it's more than just material. You share life. You share your love for each other. You share your time for each other. You share everything with each other. We generously share everything. Our time, our hearts, as well as our material possessions. So those are five ways that we stick together. What's our takeaway from this? I don't think I can say it any better than it said in Hebrews 10, 22 through 25. And I'm going to read that from the message. So let's do it. Full of belief. Confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps His Word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. So what do I see in here? I see a few things. Takeaways, devoted to our faith in Christ and continuing in fellowship with Him. Devoted to the promise of eternity with Him. Devoted to God's Word. Devoted to love and engagement with each other. Devoted to worshiping together regularly. Those are things that can happen here, but I guarantee you they can happen real effectively in a small group. So yes, I'm preaching and, and advocating for small group ministry. I love small group ministry. I think it's the most significant ministry in the church. Our mission in the church is to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can and to bring as many people into the kingdom as possible. Jesus establishes church, His people, as his single instrument to get that mission accomplished. And I feel that it's best accomplished not just by our corporate meetings, 
but by our more intimate connections that are built in smaller, more intimate groups. We get connected. We get sticky with each other. And, you know, it may be that there are things about this church you may not be that excited about. Maybe you don't, the walls are too gray. The carpet's too gray. The lights are too bright. The lights are too dim. The pastor's beard is too short. The worship pastor's hair is too short. I'm sorry, the, pastor, the, past, the lead pastor's beard is too long. The worship pastor's hair is too short. Who knows what we may or may not like. The music's too loud. The music's too soft. You know, we can always find things like that that we can complain about. But when we get involved in people, when we connect with each other, that stuff kind of goes away. We can get past who said, what was said, somebody that offended me, somebody that didn't, somebody that didn't recognize me. All that stuff become, can become noise in the background because what becomes most prominent in our lives is the fact that I've got a connection with you and with you and with you. Because I know you. I've invested my life in you. You've invested your life in me. And trust me, if I get that, I don't care what color the walls are. I don't care how long the pastor's beard is. I really don't care because I have people in my life that care about me. We're restarting, as you heard earlier, we're restarting our small groups. If you've already signed up, great. We'll look forward to that. If you haven't, let me encourage you to sign up to be in our small group ministries. I think it's the most for me personally, the reason I say it is because for me personally, small groups have had more impact in my life than anything else. Than going to seminary, to sitting under great preachers, none of that holds a candle to what has happened for me in small groups. I'm grateful to the people that God's brought into my life in small groups. And some of those people I will never forget as they have a lasting impact on me. And I'm convinced that if you'll get involved in our small group ministry, your life will be impacted and you'll be stuck. And that's what we want. We want people stuck on Christ and stuck on us as a body of believers. And our prayer is that as a whole, we can participate in, support, and love each other, not only here, but in a, in a smaller way. And I ask you to consider that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the picture of this first century church, how it developed. I know we can't be that. We never will be able to recreate that. But Father, let us do our best to be uh, praying, worshiping, learning, eating uh, people that just enjoy and share life together and feel connected in a way that uh, we could never have imagined.
something that will last a lifetime. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.